2: Once upon a time, and welcome to the Story Story podcast. I am your host, Simon Brooks, and I have some stories for you. This is a podcast to hear traditional stories told by some of the best storytellers in the world. It will take you to long ago and far away, and bring you back safely. I just want to give everyone a heads up on the content. There is a story or two which includes threatened violence. Do you ever find yourself in a place which you suddenly notice is quiet? All those thoughts in your head just seem to calm down, and then there's silence. Except it's not silent. There's the wind flickering the leaves. There's no traffic noise, but the birds tell each other about me and Mo walking with soft steps between the trees. while well, I am. Mo is gallivanting with the squirrels. There's no sound of mowers or leaf blowers. There's the sound of a distant waterfall, barely audible. Have you ever stopped and listened hard? Attentive listening to find out what you can hear, what sounds are coming from where, the knocking of trees against each other, letting them know that they are okay, or as if they are asking, do you need anything? It was one of those days. No traffic sounds, no building construction noises, no trucks rumbling on the highway somewhere, no passing planes, just nature. It was glorious. I felt myself relaxing as my boots pressed into the soft ground and moss, the leaf litter and the needle beds stepping over the rocks and roots. The breeze blew the last of the bugs away as Mo and I made our way up and up the narrow trail, switching back and forth close to some falls until we reached the top. I made my way to the edge and peered over. Mo stood next to me panting, then sat down looking at me. What, you want a snack? I sat down, legs dangled over the edge The sound of water pummeling the rocks below with a roar. I had it timed just right. It was almost 3.27pm and the air was chilly, but not cold. Partly because of the raging stream trying so hard to wish itself into a river. I struggled the backpack off my shoulders and put an arm around the neck of Mo and scratched her ears. She leaned up and licked my face. She's not a slobbery licker. It's more like an affectionate kiss, only a lick. She does it mostly on noses and feet, but sometimes she gets my glasses if I duck, which makes it hard to see. I reached into my pack for Mo's treats and some chocolate. I gave Mo a small handful of treats, then broke off two pieces of chocolate for myself. It was the day of the autumn equinox. I think it was close to the time of it, too. I ate the pieces of chocolate and as I let it slowly melt in my mouth, I heard singing, rising from the bottom of the falls. Richard Martin originally hails from England, but has lived, and continues to live, in Germany and pays many visits to Asia, or did in the before time. Richard is a lively storyteller with a wonderful twinkle in his eye. Today, he is regaling us with Hansel's Stepmother, enjoy.
3: Once upon a time, long ago and far away, on the edge of a great forest, there was a village. And on the edge of that village, in a small house, there lived a young woman. Her parents had died, leaving her with nothing but what nature had given her, which was a kind heart. Now, unfortunately, nature had not given her a face to match. And so it was with little beauty and less money. Not surprising, the young woman lived alone. Life in the village was hard and not only for her. Indeed, one day she and the rest of the villagers went to the church. They were going for the funeral of the young woman's neighbour, the wife of the woodcutter. And that woodcutter's wife had also had a hard life. Our young woman had often heard the rows, the arguments as he came back late from the inn. She had often heard the rows with the villagers as they came to complain about the thieving ways of the two children, Hensel and Gretel, who always seemed to, have things in their pockets, which they had just found. Yes. And there, our young woman sat in the church, looking across the coffin at the family. The two children, Hensel and Gretel, looking around, probably to see what they could steal next. And she saw, sitting next to them, the woodcutter who she saw was looking at her. And so it was no surprise to the young woman when a few evenings later there was a knock at the door, the woodcutter, who said, well, I've brought you no flowers, but a business deal. Now listen, we need help what with uh, cooking, the cleaning of the house, uh, uh, looking after the children. And I reckon you could do with some help here as well. So what do you say? The two of us make a new beginning? The young woman, she looked back at him and said, the new beginning, a new beginning really means an end to the old ways. No. What about it? The old ways of your drinking. The old ways of the children's thieving. Hmm? The woodcutter. Once more, he looked. He weighed up her words. And at last he nodded very well. A new beginning it shall be. And the woodcutter, he made the promises which a man finds easy to make. The young woman listening to the woodcutter <laughs> why she had heard promises before. And she too looked and weighed up what she heard. And at last she nodded, very well. Very well, we'll give it a try, those new beginnings. And give it a try, they did. She moved in and Try hard they both did. For her it was easier. For remember, nature had given her a kind heart. But for him, soon the old ways began to come back. The visits to the inn of an evening were more frequent and longer. The children, they soon fell back into their old ways. Soon their pockets were stuffed with... Always the story was something they'd just found. But he, when she told him of what the children were doing, all he could say was, "Ah, it's better they bring something back in their pockets than just hunger in their bellies. And times being so hard, it's, it's hard enough to fill those bellies anyway. And times continued to become harder. The work was less the food in the entire village became less. And soon all the woodcutter could think about was the emptiness in his belly. Food, food, he says, you do not understand, but I I, I, I need food, I need meat to give me strength if I'm to work and cut my trees. One night, As they lay in bed, and he was saying the same again and again and again. And when she said, What else can we do? There is nothing but patience. Times are hard, and we must endure. When he said, "Ah, Times are hard, but desperate times call for desperate measures. There's always a way. The four mouths. We can make that too. The little we have better and a chance to eat meat again. The horror, as the young woman heard what the woodcutter was saying, the even greater horror, when she realised what was in his mind, with tears in her eyes, she begged and begged and begged that he harm his children, not at all, at least she said, if you're determined to bring us down to just two miles, at least just lose the children in the forest. Perhaps, perhaps, perhaps nature will look after them. Perhaps they will come home somehow. And at last he gave his word not to lift his axe against his own children. But the next morning, the next morning when she rose before he was awake and went down to the stream to fetch the pail of water, which was all the breakfast she could give them. Why then? She lifted from the bed of the stream, small white stones, and she filled her pockets with as many as she could. And when later that morning, the four of them went into the forest deeper and deeper, when the others were not watching, she took a stone out of her pocket and dropped it behind her, the way there would be a trail left for her to follow. Deep, deep in the forest when he had made a fire Hensel, Gretel, stay there, be back before night. And he and she walked on and again. She made him promise, promise on his heart, not to harm the children. When he'd given his word, she turned, there may be no food at home to cook, but at least there's a house to clean. I'll go back and do that now. And so it was, she turned and followed that trail of stones, the trail which took her out of the forest and back to the home. She took her few belongings, she bundled them together in a cloth and tied that cloth on the end of a stick and sat down to write the letter. I hope and pray the children come back home. And if they do, I'm sure soon enough their pockets will be filled as they always have been. And I'm sure somehow the three of you will come up with a new story to explain what has happened. But for me, I can no longer go on with these old ways. For me, it is an end. And then, she took that stick with her bundle of belongings, put it over her shoulder. She opened the door and stepped out and walked down the road, ready at last for a new beginning for the rest of her life.
2: Hubbard's cupboards, another fine furniture, are makers of quality products. No bones about it, no frills, this is simple furniture at its finest. From cosy cupboards to roomy wardrobes, which can almost transport you, Hubbard's has it all. Hardened and spell-treated furniture prevents pets from chewing on legs or scratching up covers. Hubbard's has a range of travelling trunks which fly, this does have frills on the wings, and smaller cases for musical instruments such as flutes and a wonderful collection of boxes including their patented magic bread bin. Check Mother Hubbard's latest line, the exclusive Baba Yaga's travelling furniture. Hubbard's cupboards, everything you need in the way of furniture. We need to give a shout out to our new Patrons. Avi, Liam and Corbin and their dad, Michael. Way to go, Michael, for getting your kids into folk and fairy tales. They are the best. This episode is brought to you by Avi, Liam, Corbin and Michael. Thanks for being supporters. Yay! These very special supporters, these very special patrons, have the magical ability to always find what they need in a cupboard. It might not be always what you want, but it'll be what you need. No pressure there, Michael. Just close your eyes, hold your nose closed, and ask for what you need, and it will be there. And remember, sometimes hugs come in strange shapes and sizes. Michael Avey, Liam and Corbin are generous supporters of storytelling and the arts, which is pretty cool. A big shout-out and a thank you to them and to other patrons of the podcast. Become a patron for a little as $4 a month while getting some sweet perks and rewards and see if you get a unique fairy tale talent for being a patron. A big thank you to all the patrons who make this podcast possible. To join the story supporters, go to storystorypodcast.com for more information. And if you want to hear us make up fairy tales about you and thank you for an episode, then become a supporter now and help keep this podcast going. Looking over the lip of the rocks, down to the base of the falls, I could see the spray was thick. But there was something down there in the mist of the spray. It started to rain, and the mist got thicker. I moved around, so I was lying down flat, staring over the edge. Some of the spray reached up to my face, and my shirt was getting damp from the light, ladylike rain, which turned into dibble. Slow drop. I could hear a voice, a man's voice, singing. But it was not deep, not particularly resonant, a gentle voice. And this was then joined by another voice. This sounded more like a woman's voice, and they sang in beautiful harmony. The mist below began to move. The mist began to form the shapes of two people, hands joined, coming out from the curtain of falling water, followed by bodies, the shapes of a man and a woman in this mist and this beautiful song. With the sound of the waterfall I could not make out the words, but the music of their voices I could hear, soft and slow. Mo knocked me, and I turned to see her lying now, her body pressed up against my legs, appearing to fall asleep. I too felt tired, suddenly. And I remembered that sometimes these songs can lull you to sleep for a hundred years. So I rolled over and sat up. I pulled the straps of my bag over my shoulders, poked Mo, and stood. Come on, girl, let's go. I nudged her with my toe, and reluctantly she stood, and I began to run "'jumping over exposed roots and leaping over rocks. "'Well, that's a trigger for Mo,' "'and she came leaping after me as we ran down the trail. "'I shook my head to clear the song away, "'and the rain grew a little heavier and harder. "'I began to wake up fully, and Mo took off after a chippy, "'so I knew she was fine. While we did this big, long loop and got back to the car safely. "'The light was green as it shone through the trees.' It has been sung that one shouldn't chase waterfalls, but I disagree with that. Chase waterfalls and rainbows, but watch out for those sprites that might sing there. Judith Heinemann and Daniel Marcotte are a storytelling musical combination who go deep with their work. They have studied both the stories and the music of these times and have found the connections between the two. These stories are strong and a little chilling in places. Please enjoy Ashenputl, a steely variant of Cinderella.
0: There was a rich man whose wife lay sick and dying, and when she felt her end drawing near, she called her only daughter to her bedside. Dear child, be pious and good, and you will always be taken care of, and I will look down upon you from heaven and will always be with you." And then, holding her daughter's hand, she closed her eyes and died peacefully. The maiden went every day to her mother's grave and wept, and she was always pious and good. The snow covered the grave with a white handkerchief, and when the sun took it off again, The man took another wife. The new wife brought two daughters with her, and they were very beautiful and fair of face, but they were evil-minded and ugly in their hearts. And then began very bad times for the poor daughter. Is the stupid creature to sit in the same rooms with us, cried the sisters. Those who eat bread must earn it out with the kitchen maid. They took away her pretty dresses and made her wear an old, gray, shapeless smock. They took away her comfortable shoes and made her wear wooden ones and laughed and sent her to the kitchen. And there she had to do hard work. "'Get up before dawn, draw water, make the fires cook and wash. "'Besides all this, the sisters did their utmost to torment her. "'They threw peas and lentils into the ashes "'and made her pick them out again, all neat and clean. "'In the evenings, when she was so tired from her day's work, "'she had no bed to lie on, "'but had to sleep by the hearth among the ashes.' as she always looked dusty and dirty, they named her Ashenputtel. One day, her father wanted to go to the fair, so he asked his daughters, What shall I bring back for you? One of the stepdaughters said, Fine dresses, and the other said, Jewels and pearls. And then he asked, Ashenputtel, but what shall you have? Father, The first twig that strikes against your hat on the way home, that is what you should bring to me. So he bought his 2 stepdaughters fine clothes, pearls, and jewels, and on his way back, as he was riding through a green thicket, a hazel twig struck against his hat, knocking it off. So he broke off the hazel branch and brought it home with him. And when he got home, he gave his stepdaughters what they had wished for, and he gave Ashenputtel the hazel twig. Oh, thank you, Father! Yeah. And she went to her mother's grave and planted the twig right there. She wept so bitterly that her tears watered the ground well, and it flourished and became a fine tree. Ushenpuddle went to see it three times a day, and wept and prayed each time. And a white bird came to the tree, and brought her whatever she wished for. Now it came to pass that the king ordered a feast should be held for three days, so that his son might choose a bride. And when the two stepdaughters heard that they were invited, oh, they felt very pleased. They called, Puddle. come, comb our hair, brush our shoes, make our buckles fast. We're going to the feast at the king's castle. Puddle did as she was told, but oh, how she would have loved to have gone to the feast. She begged her stepmother, please, please let me join my stepsisters. What? <laughs> Ash and Poodle, you, Puddle? you... You have no dress, no shoes, and you cannot dance. And you want to go to the feast? But she begged and begged, Please, please, mother. At last her stepmother said, I have thrown a dishful of lentils and peas in the ashes, and if you can pick them all up again in two hours, you shall go with us. Then the maiden went to the back door leading into the garden and called out,
1: O oh, gentle dogs, oh turtle dogs, all the birds that be, the lentils in the ashes lie, come pick them up for me. The good must be poured in the dish, the bad you may eat. If
0: Two white doves, and turtle doves, and a crowd of all the birds under heaven came to the kitchen window, chirping and fluttering, and they alighted among the ashes. And the doves nodded with their heads, and they began to pick-peck, pick-peck. And then all the other birds began to pick-peck, pick-peck, pick-peck. And they put all the good grains into the dish, and before an hour was over, it was all done. And they flew away. Then Ashenputtel brought the dish to her stepmother, and she felt so joyful, thinking now, now she could go to the feast. But her stepmother said, No, no, you have no clothes, you have no shoes, and you do not know how to dance. You are not going to come with us. Oh, Ashenputtel cried. And so her mother said, Well, if you can pick up two dishes full of lentils out of the ashes, nice and clean, you shall go with us thinking to herself, This is not possible. So she threw two dishes full of lentils and peas among the ashes, and the maiden went back through the door into the garden and called out,
1: O gentle doves, O turtle doves, all the birds that be, the lentils in the ashes lie, come pick them out for me. The good must be put. In the dish, the pod you may eat, if you will.
0: Two white doves, turtle doves, and all the other birds under heaven came to the kitchen window, chirping and fluttering, and they alighted among the ashes. The doves nodded with their heads and began to pick-peck, 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 and then all the other birds began to pick-peck, 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 pick-peck. "'and put all the good grains into the dishes. "'And before a half an hour was over, it was all done, and they flew away. "'Then Ash took the dishes to her stepmother, "'feeling so happy and thinking that now, now, "'she could go with them to the feast. "'But her stepmother said, "'All of this is no good to you. "'You cannot come with us, for you have no clothes and you cannot dance, "'and we would be ashamed of you.' And then she set out with her two proud daughters. When there was no one left in the house, Ashenpuddle went to her mother's grave and sat under the hazel tree and cried, Little tree, little tree, shake over me. Send silver and gold down
1: to cover me. me. Since silver and gold down to the
0: Then the bird threw down a dress of gold and silver, and a pair of slippers embroidered with silk and silver, and she put on the dress and went to the feast. Her stepmother and sisters didn't recognize her, and thought, she must be a foreign princess. She looked so beautiful in her rich dress. They never thought that it could be Ashen Puddle, and they supposed that she was still sitting at home in the ashes. The king's son came over to meet her, and took her by the hand and didn't let it go all evening. He refused to dance with anyone else. If another invited her to dance, he said, she is my partner. And when evening came, she wanted to go home, but the prince said, I want to go with you, for I would like to see where you live. But the beautiful maiden escaped and she jumped into the pigeon house. And then the prince waited until her father came home. And he said, The strange maiden has given chase and now she's jumped into the pigeon house. And the father thought, Could it be Ash Puddle? And he called for axes and hatchets and he had the pigeon house cut down but there was no one in it. And when they entered the house, there sat Ashen Puddle in her dirty clothes among the ashes. For Ashen Puddle had jumped quickly out of the pigeon house again and gone to the hazel tree. And there she took off her beautiful dress and laid it on the grave, and the bird had carried it away again. And then she had put on her little grey smock and sat down in the kitchen among the ashes. The next day, when the festival began again, when the stepmother and the stepsisters had gone out Ushan was all alone she went to her hazel tree and cried little tree little tree shake over me send tree, silver and gold down, tree, down to cover shake me. Over me send silver and gold down to cover me then the bird drew down a still more beautiful dress than the day before, and when Ashenputl appeared at the festival, everyone was astonished at her beauty. The prince had been waiting for her, and took her hand and danced with her all evening, and when anyone else wanted to invite her to dance, he said, she is my partner. When evening came, and she wanted to go home, the prince offered to follow her, offered to take her to her house because he wanted to know where she lived. But she escaped from him, and she ran into the garden, and there stood a fine, large tree bearing splendid pears, and she leapt as lightly as a squirrel among the branches. The prince didn't know what had become of her. So he waited until her father came, and then he told him "'that the strange maiden has escaped from me, "'and I believe she has leapt into the pear tree.' "'Hmm,' the father thought. "'Could it be, Ash and, "'And he called for an axe and felled the tree, "'but there was no one in it. "'And when they went into the kitchen, "'there she was among the ashes as usual, "'because she had climbed down the other side of the tree so quickly "'and had gone to the hazel tree "'and taken back her beautiful clothes to the bird,' And had put on her old gray gown again. On the third day of the feast, when everyone else had gone off, Puddle went again to her mother's grave and little said to the tree, tree, Little tree,
1: shake over me, send silver and gold down to cover me. Little tree, little tree, shake over me and silver and gold down to cover me.
0: The bird threw down a more magnificent dress like none of which anyone had ever seen before. Oh, and slippers that were made of pure gold. When she appeared at the feast, nobody knew what to say. She was so beautiful. The prince danced only with her And again, if anyone invited her to dance, he answered, She is my partner. When evening came, Ashinputl wanted to go home, and the prince offered to accompany her. But she escaped very quickly, and he couldn't follow her. But this time he had spread tar all over the staircases, and as she ran away, her left shoe stuck fast. The prince picked it up and saw that it was made of pure gold, and it was very small and slender. The next morning he went to her father and said that none should be his bride except the one whose foot the golden shoe should fit. And the two sisters were so glad because they had very pretty feet. The eldest daughter went to her room to try on the shoe, and her mother stood by she couldn't get her great toe into it for the shoe was too small Then her mother handed her a knife and said cut the toe off for when you are queen you will never need to go by foot so the girl chopped off her toe and squeezed her foot into the shoe and went to the prince and then he took her with him on his horse as his bride and rode off with her but they had to pass by the grave. The two white doves in the hazel tree cried,
1: Coo-coo,
0: there's blood in
1: her shoe. This one is not the right bride for you.
0: Then the prince looked at her foot and saw the blood flowing. And he turned his horse around and took the false bride home and said she was not the right one and that the other sister must try on the shoe." So the 2nd stepsister went into her room and got her toes in, but her heel was too large. And then her mother handed her a knife and said, "'Cut a piece of your heel off, for when you are queen you will never need to go by foot.' So the girl cut a piece of her heel and squeezed her foot into the shoe and went to the prince. Who took his bride before him on his horse and rode off When they passed by the hazel tree the two white doves sat there and cried
1: Coo-coo There's blood in her shoe This one is
0: not the
1: right bride for you
0: Then the prince looked at her foot and saw the blood flowing "'and he turned his horse around and brought the false bride home again. "'This is not the right one either,' he said. "'Have you no other daughter?' "'No,' said the man. "'Only my dead wife left behind a little nasty child. "'It is impossible that she be the bride.' "'And the stepmother said, "'Oh, no, she is much too dirty. "'I could not let her be seen.' But the prince insisted that she be brought before him. So Ashenputtel washed her hands and face very carefully and went in and curtsied to the prince, who held out to her the golden shoe. Ashenputtel drew her left foot out of the wooden one she was wearing and slipped it into the golden shoe, which fit perfectly. And when she stood up and the prince looked into her face, he knew that she was the beautiful maiden that he had danced with all three nights. This is the right bride. Oh! The stepmother and the two stepsisters were terrified and grew pale with anger. But the prince put Ashenputl on his horse and rode off. And as they passed the hazel tree, the two white doves sang joyfully.
1: This one is true, she's a right bride. No blood in her shoe Remain by her side.
0: The doves flew after them and perched on Ashinpuddle's shoulders, one on the right side and the other on the left, and there they stayed. When her wedding with the prince was held, the two stepsisters came, hoping to win her favor and share in her fortune. As the bride and groom went to the church, the eldest stepsister walked on the right side and the younger on the left. The doves plucked out one eye of each of them, and as they returned, the elder was on the left and the younger on the right, and the doves plucked out the other eye of each of them. And so the stepsisters were condemned to go blind for the rest of their days because of their wickedness and falsehood. Thank
2: you for listening to the Story Story podcast. Find Martin, Judith and Daniel on the web and tell them you want to hear more stories and music. We are still in strange times for the performing arts but the opportunities to connect with the magic of live virtual storytelling are abundant. Go and find your favourite tellers from the podcast and discover what they can bring to your home. Did you know that you can connect with the podcast and see tale sponsor ads on Facebook and Instagram at Story Story Podcast and you can connect with me at Simon M Brooks on Instagram. Also check out Hashtag in the woods with Mo, and on Facebook and my website at Simon Brooks Storyteller. Diamond Scree, yep, that's me. But well, while you're at these places, let us know the favourite story that you have heard, or the favourite stories of your childhood. Who knows? Maybe you will hear them here soon. Inspiration for the fairy tale sponsor came from Christina Vincent. Thanks, Christina. It was fun riffing off that and the true fairy tale the inspiration for that well you know same place as usual it came from a recent walk in the woods with and the music for this podcast is by Poddington Bear Story Story Podcast is made possible by patrons like you consider becoming a patron or joining the mailing list to get a podcast pack of goodies or write a review on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else which helps other story lovers find and enjoy the show You'll hear more stories next week, but until then, live happily ever after. Mary-Kate opened up the door, and there, on the doorstep, wrapped in his own blanket,
0: was baby. And to this day, Anansi spins webs, so that he can catch the flea, the fly, and the moth that got away. If you go down to the lake on a clear day, when the water lies as calm as a sheet of glass. You can still see the rooftops of the castle glittering in the sunlight. And if you listen really closely, you can even hear the festive music from the royal court.